You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. It's the 16th of April, 2016. I'm Benjamin Riley. I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode, we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about what it means for big businesses to support, in inverted commas, queer communities and causes. This topic arose after news in Australia broke this week that telecommunications company Telstra has removed its support for the marriage equality campaign. The story broke on Wednesday when a report in the newspaper The Australian said Telstra had been pressured by the Catholic Church to remove its support for the cause. This pressure from the Catholic Church came after Telstra joined a number of other large companies to sign on to an open letter from the organisation Australian Marriage Equality to support the cause. Telstra's logo sits on AME's website and the company has been active in advertising to gay and lesbian customers. Telstra quickly refuted the claims uh, that they'd changed their position on marriage equality, but did say that they will not be playing an active role in the debate. But the damage had already been done. Telstra has been ripped apart in queer press from across the country, with many others calling for a boycott of the company. On social media, the company has been under intense fire and has gone largely into damage control mode. This has, for us, opened up a range of questions about what it means for big companies to support uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, intersex, queer, uh, and other communities and our causes. Uh, why do companies uh, come out to support us? And is the support ever actually genuine? And does Telstra retreating from their more active voice in the marriage equality debate um, signal a betrayal to our community? Or was it just them making a clear business decision? Uh, so, Ben, let's get started. Our first question, will you be boycotting Telstra from now on? Look, I will not, but it is a pretty easy decision for me, given that I am not currently a Telstra customer. Um, but I guess to imagine, hypothetically, that I was one, uh, I suppose two two reasons why I, I can't imagine feeling the need to boycott them over something like this. I guess the first is I'm pretty cynical about consumer boycotts uh, generally as a, a way of um, uh, making change. Um, I don't know, it's funny, I, I've, I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for, for quite a few years and initially um, my reasons for doing so have really kind of evolved over time and initially it was, it was really all about essentially that kind of supply and demand stuff, you know, that like I would be making a difference by, by not purchasing this stuff. And, and over time, I've just kind of become more and more cynical that that actually means anything. Um, and, and now it's essentially just become a way for me to uh, look myself in the mirror in the morning, which I think is totally valid. And, and I think that it's important to acknowledge that that's a big part of what this is about too, um, that doing things like boycotting companies. And I imagine for a lot of people, this is about um, being able to show even to themselves, you know, that they are, that they are doing something to, that they have a bit of agency and have a bit of, of power um, to, to uh, engage politically on an issue that they find really important. Uh, I guess the, the second reason why I wouldn't and, and why I, I sort of don't think it's that important is, well, because I don't think it's that important. I, um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't think it really um, means anything, The what Telstra has done. I mean, I understand that it's upset a lot of people, but I just don't, I don't see this as a kind of um, moral act, I guess, on, on behalf of the company. I mean, that they are, Telstra is just doing what companies do. Mm-mm. I think, so I am a Telstra customer. Um, we've get our internet through Telstra. Um 
and I have my phone service through Optus, which is one of their major competitors. And I think the only reason I would uh, leave Telstra at the moment is because of their poor service, which is uh, a continuing issue, but that's a topic for another day. Sure. Uh, <laughs> probably not this uh, podcast. Probably not this podcast, no. Um, but I no, I have no intention to go and cancel our contract because of this issue. And I think it goes down to that question or that, that sort of second reason that you were saying and that this is just what companies do. So to give some background to this, Telstra is a big telecommunications company in Australia. It's probably the biggest and formerly state-owned. Um, but I think part of the story of this is that Telstra has um, telecommunication contracts with all of the Catholic schools in Australia, which would be big business for them. Uh, and they hold other you know, contracts with other parts of the Catholic Church, which is the people who are pressuring them over this issue. Uh, and so I can see straight away um, their decision uh, as a big business to um, to sort of retreat. They never publicly sort of backed out, but the idea was that they were, I think, from what I, from what I can read from this, and I, this is not confirmed, but the idea was to sort of retreat back so that they weren't, weren't as active as a way to save some of those big contracts. Mm. It's a pretty, and, like, their response has been pretty... Uh, kind of hedgy, you know, like it's it's kind of them going, trying to have their cake and eat it too, essentially. Yeah, yeah, we still support same-sex marriage, we're just, you know, because of the circumstances, we're not going to be involved in the debate, which is a, a level of retreat from previous actions, yeah. particularly when they've done a lot of advertising towards gay and lesbian communities, and I think we should talk about that at some point. Um, but I guess what I would say is that, you know, people are going, okay, well, let's let's go to some of their competitors, you know, Optus or Vodafone or other other competitors like that, and the way I see it is that Telstra, those companies are not morally better than Telstra. They just were in a different position from Telstra where they didn't have the financial pressure which would have forced them to, to, to retreat. And I would think that in a world, uh, any other telecommunications company, if they were facing a similar situation, would make that brass monetary decision um, to do what Telstra did. Uh, and so to boycott for me and to say that these other companies are, are better... Um, I think is is wrong because I don't think, you know, if they were in the situation where they had these huge contracts and they were facing the threat of losing huge contracts over this issue, they would have done the same thing. It's just that they weren't put in that situation. Totally. Does that make sense? And, I th you know, I think it, this goes to, you know, when I see things, the I think what surprises me the most is when I see reactions in the community like, you know, shock over this or disappointment or surprise. And I'm just like, mm. well, I mean, it, it seems to me to reflect a fundamental misunderstanding about what businesses are or even like, you know, on some broader level what capitalism is. I mean, this is not... Yeah, these are not... Like, the the only imperative they have is, is to, to profit and to, to even more to make increasingly larger profits over time. And the thing about a, a, a framework that allows that is that is not just that it kind of lets companies do that; it's that it provides them with a moral imperative to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it just is kind of putting behaving as though putting faith in these companies and behaving as though they are kind of moral actors um, is I just find bizarre yeah and it's interesting one of those things like i think a lot of the reaction i've seen on on social media and twitter is sort of you know people saying things like well how would you feel you know how would a telstra you know a gay telstra employee feel now they you know their company doesn't even care about their human rights 
And it's fascinating to watch that when you have, you know, I've seen experience where big companies like this do whatever they can, for example, to crush union movements who are trying to insist on what rights in the workplace. Mm. You know, why are we surprised that Telstra won't care about what their what their employees think about this move? That that you know, that's not something that that's in that's in their framework of, of, of thinking about in this in this instance because the bigger issue at hand was the loss of potential big profits and that's exactly what happens when they crush union movements um, and that's because they do that as a way to, you know because they there's a threat to their profit motive and there's a threat to through to their business structure um, you know this is not a big surprise for me it's something that a business does hmm. I mean it's you know I think it's important to acknowledge to that that's not none of this is to say that this is not a bad thing. I mean, it is a bad thing. It's mm. and and I you know I, I think it is reasonable for people to be upset by it. I think it's a pretty understandable response given that marriage is an issue that is very you know it's it's not important to me. It's not really important to you, um, but it, <laughs> but it's uh, very important to a lot of people. But you know all it is is representative of a shit system you know it's not i don't know it's hard to there's only so much blame on individual people and individual companies you can assign in a system that like essentially uh forces businesses to behave this way yeah yeah and so i guess maybe that comes to sort of the the next question about this this idea of the boycott and the community reaction to it and i think this is something worth exploring a little bit more in terms of Maybe going from something like this, acknowledging that this is a shit thing to do, that you know, a shit thing that has happened. It's not, you know, it's a it's a bad thing that's happened. What is a response to this that we can see that sort of is more in line with, I guess, an understanding that this is part of the way the system operates, that this is part of how um, big businesses work. You know, when an instance like this occurs, what is what, what can we do that it, you know, and is a boycott part of that process or do you know or do we need to have some sort of broader engagement with these issues in, around around the involvement of big businesses in in our movements i mean i think all really that it can be is an opportunity to reflect on yeah as you said more broadly the engagement of, of big business and you kind of have to like it's hard it's hard to imagine what a an effective community response would look like around something like this because it's sort of um indicative of a maybe less effective community response further back down the line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that we've kind of painted ourselves into a corner here where we have made the support of, and not just on marriage equality, but on like lots of um, social issues, not just, not just queer issues. Uh, we have made the support of companies uh, a kind of integral part of these movements at, uh, at every level, not just at the level of like political lobbying, which is kind of what we're talking about here, but at the level of like where the money comes from for us to run uh, basic programs and services often comes through like corporate uh, social responsibility programs. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess the the first thing, I think I tweeted this as, as soon as I saw this kind of blowing up on Twitter, but I'm just like, I feel like all you can really take away from this is to say, probably don't give companies lots of credit when they look like they're supporting issues that we value, you know, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't mean anything. They, they're doing it because they think that it will assist them in achieving their main goal, which is, which is to, to profit. Maybe there is some kind of 
blurry space around the edges where it could, you know, you could make the call one way or the other that, you know, if, if it's unclear how it might impact um, uh, profit margins for a company, then particularly for a publicly traded company, we should, we should say, uh, then there's, um, you know, maybe there is some like moral outcome there when it's a bit of a gray area, but overall the, the, there's only one motive here. Yeah, and I think maybe that goes to the question I was thinking about in, in relation to this issue of um, why is it that companies get behind these sorts of issues? Why is it that a whole bunch of companies signed up to this open letter behind uh, backing marriage equality? And there is a lot of really big companies, and there's been reports that the Catholic Church tried to pressure some of these other companies, Qantas, and I think it was... I think they approached, I think they approached everyone. They approached all of them, they yeah, approached... to, to try and get to them to pull out of this. And I was really um, struck by a tweet that I read from uh, this person called Jill Stark, who's a prominent uh, journalist. I think she works for The Age. Mm. Uh, that, that sort of flew out after this um, after this uh, all blew up. And uh, she tweeted something. Uh, she tweeted, uh, and in quotes here, rainbow phone booths and Mardi Gras floats mean nothing at Telstra when you abandon your principles for ch- chasing the dollar. Uh, close quote marks. And it really struck me like how we disconnected how how that how that tweet and i think this is representative of a lot of things disconnected the support for lgbti communities and and a whole range of things from their sort of retreat here and the different reasons for them so what she's saying there is you know telstra has uh done these things where they have phone booths you know like old school phone booths which have you know they've done with gay advertising or rainbow you know flags on them to support the you know to support diversity and they've had floats in Mardi Gras uh, in the past uh, and the assumption under the based, in, based on a lot of this is that they just do that because they're great moral people who wanted to support the community and it's only when they're backtracking from us that they care about the dollar you know that when you abandon your principles chasing the dollar is what she said and that's what I've seen a lot that this is all just about chasing the dollar and it fails to acknowledge I think and it fails to acknowledge that a lot of the support for the community is not about this moral idea of, you know, supporting diversity. It is about chasing the dollar. People, you know, you will, you know, these sorts of companies will put, you know, advertising in gay magazines, not because they want to support us, but because they see us as a new market. And, and you know, the, you know, I think that there's a lot of, lots to discuss here, but there's a, there was a new market. 10, 20 years ago in gay men in particular, which is now being tapped and is, you know, providing these companies with a lot of money and it's quite an established market. And as rights are increased and as, you know, communities get more um, visibility, there are bigger and bigger markets in queer communities. And I think that's gone through gay men as a lot for lesbian women. And I think you're going to see it more increasingly for transgender people who will be increasingly targeted by these companies as new markets, both for their involvement in the labor market, you know, getting in, getting hired for these companies for cheap labor, but also just to buy their products. Um, and to see that disconnect was really stark, stark for me, where you saw this disconnect where we thought this, you know, their support for us was really just a moral issue, but their, you know, when they withdrew, withdrew the support, it was only to do with the, with the dollar, when actually both of those things are the same, have the same reasoning behind totally. them. They're both, they're both uh, driven by the same imperative. And, and I think... You know, I, I sort of mentioned this before vaguely, but I think it's also really, you know, I would reiterate again how important it is to frame, to still frame these decisions as moral decisions. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You know, that they are still operating within a moral framework and it's the moral framework of capitalism. You know, that, and, and it's, mm. it's interesting seeing how... Um, so, in a sense, they do have principles. Uh, it is just a particular principle, and, it, and it's you know sometimes it aligns with what uh, we might say principles within our community are, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but yep. you know, it's interesting when you see. Um, I think it was the original story in the Australian, uh, or maybe the coverage afterwards that talked about Telstra shareholders and it being. Um, important for the company to it had an obligation a moral obligation to its shareholders to deliver returns um and i you Mm. know it's it's that kind of framing i mean which is under the terms of that system entirely true yeah so it's so it's you know it's a this is about competing ideologies you know it's not about morals versus no morals yeah, and I guess this is this is the fascinating thing that we see, uh, and it links to a lot of questions about how these campaigns have been run, and, and the marriage equality campaign in particular, is that it has, in many many instances, bought into that framework. It had, you know, and I, and I think the best example is the the use of the sort of the pink dollar. We talked, I talked about the the growing use of queer communities as a mm-hmm. market. And, you know, the, the, the most common thing I see all the time uh, is these sorts of news stories of like, you know, same-sex marriage will increase, you know, will bring so many million dollars or so many billion dollars to the Australian economy, mm, yeah. you know, and that's a re- used as a real argument for, for us, for, for, the, for the issue. And what you see there is, uh, is an appeal to, to, to business, to this sort of moral understanding, this, this moral ideology of capitalism, or this ideology of capitalism, and it's an appeal to, you know, accept our rights because it's good for your system. And, and I would argue that a lot of 
um, same-sex marriage, the acceptance of same-sex marriage, in, not so much in Australia because a lot of conservatives haven't agreed to it in Australia, but if you look at the UK in particular where it was largely embraced by the Tories, um, a lot of that was a recognition that marriage would be a beneficial thing for the capitalist system. And what we're seeing now, and what's really interesting now, is when we're getting this huge backlash, and this is we, we discussed this a little bit, I think, in our last podcast, when you're getting this backlash both in Australia from some communities and in the US in particular, I think are two countries where you're seeing um, conservative backlash that is intensifying. Uh, and you, you, what companies are now faced with is, is this situation where supporting marriage equality used to be good business and it used to be something that could be good for the capitalist system and now we might be entering this situation where because of the backlash there's, there's a challenge to that theory and so when we've in the past bought into it because it's worked for us we're now facing that challenge of oh, well actually it's you know it's no longer working for these companies anymore so they're going to withdraw their support uh, and that's probably what's happening here does that make yeah, sense to you? Yeah absolutely I mean and I think it's um uh, frightening in some ways the extent to which people adopt this language. People are so willing to kind of um, perceive of themselves as a market, uh, which I, I just find mm. so weird. I mean, you see, it, uh, the, it might seem like a um, strange association, but I, I, you see this a lot in, uh, I play a lot of video games, uh, and you see it a lot in like video game culture where there's this whole kind of um, stuff going on at the moment about a kind of backlash to, to uh, um I guess the same stuff you're talking about, what's seen as kind of so progress on social issues uh, within um, video games uh, that's seen this like really yeah. aggressive backlash. And it's, uh, you see these like uh, straight white guys saying things like, you know, we are, you should be catering to your main market. Like we spend most of the money here. And it's just like, I just, oh God, I, I just find that I don't understand I just find that astonishing that that when people kind of adopt that language so um, so wholeheartedly and so easily, just seems like such a weird thing to me. Weird how like like weird that um, straight guys would be using that language. Like it seems like in some ways to me that seems like the the natural evolution of a sort of a focus on identity politics and the interaction between that and and big business. Sure, where, sure. Um, you know, people like if you have this focus on identity politics that results in a bit of a backlash, which I think is what we're really seeing occurring uh, and has intensified in the last couple of years. Um, it's the adoption almost of the of the language that we've used to to continue a system of, of, of oppression and, and those sorts of sure. things. Sure. I mean, I get, like, certainly I think it's a logical, like it makes sense. Uh, I suppose it's more, it is a logical extension of, of these ideologies, but I, I guess it's more in the kind of individual instances how strange it looks to see people. It's just jarring, I guess, to see people uh, unthinkingly yeah. conceive of themselves that way and, and use that language about themselves when it is such a kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know, I guess a, an unreal concept or a sort of abstract concept. Yeah, I think it. I think that connects back to. I guess I feel like I have that same jarring feeling when I see uh, a lot of the sort of messaging around same-sex marriage, for example, from gay communities, and it's often largely gay male communities, where it is that sort of like the idea of this of that we are this market that must be um, 
uh, that must be cultivated. And I, you said, yeah, to my I've, actually, I've actually pulled it up uh, in front of me. Cause I, I, yeah, I was just thinking so, about it as well because it's totally it's so amazing. Uh, so a friend of mine, uh, you know, I, I should. I'll try to anonymize this as much as I can. A friend of mine sent me a, a screenshot, basically, of, of someone on his um, Facebook uh, feed who who posted something about Telstra, and uh, the gist. I won't I won't quote it verbatim because it's not a it's not a public yep, yep. post. But um, the gist of it is, you know, he's ditching this guy's. Uh, you know, he's uh, I assume a a, a gay a gay guy. Uh, ditching Telstra, um, marriage quality is the main reason. And then he says, oh, I kind of just have to quote it. I think, I think it'd be fine. Um, he says, quote, considering I use a great deal of your data services trying to find a male husband, male is all in capitals, I no longer feel welcome, end quote. And I just, like, it's so, I just find that connection that idea, it's its so kind of convoluted, you know, like the idea that your status as a Telstra, he, this guy's status as a Telstra customer is just an extension of his, like, desire to find same-sex love and romance. Mm, um, mm. Like, what a, what a kind of roundabout way to say, effectively, Telstra, I have been buying same-sex love from you up until now, and I will no longer be doing so. Yeah, and it, and it's the extension of the idea of a um, a community. Uh, it's uh, sort of as a, as a market, and that community, ex, you know, um, seeing itself through through the different market orientations. Uh, but also, I guess it goes back to trying to figure out the words to use what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say here and what I was thinking um, but it goes back to the idea of seeing ourselves as consumers and seeing this idea that um, our rights are related to our consumption and our, our ability to consume so in that post you saw you know I've been using your services to to, to, to find myself a male husband which is based on this idea you know this idea of Oh, how am I? How am I trying to express express this? <laughs> uh, it's based on you know it's this idea that 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 right you know that this right for marriage is going to help with you know he was he was providing Telstra a service by using you know, by using that you know there was sort of almost a, a an exchange there where he provided the service and they helped him with his rights by you know you know using him being able to use their data to find his male husband and now that they've taken that away the that sort of engagement has has ceased yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you see you see that a lot like you see that a lot in terms of this idea of this active consumer uh, and a movement as part of this active consumer who, you know, you know, companies are there to support our rights and, and the products that they provide are there to support our rights as well. Uh, and that's the real interesting thing that came out of me from that, that, came, that, that I got out of that. My, losing my words a little bit. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I do, I do understand. Uh, yeah. I mean, it kind of, it's certainly not a new thing to say that, you know, com companies have, commodified uh, and sold love and romance you know for, for forever really um and we, we talked about this back in i think episode three um but mm. to i guess to find i guess it, it speaks to the pervasiveness of this ideology that you can kind of like you can kind of draw in anything like what this guy's effectively saying is um because i can use grinder on my phone telstra is supporting my human rights like that's 
that's insane. Like that's insane. You know, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the sad thing is it's not insane, but it's um, yeah. It's so and you pervasive. kind of say those two things next to each other, and it's like, what is even like? God, we've just this is so just embedded in in how we apparently do activism now. It's kind of terrifying. Mm, mm. Yeah, it really is. Um, so I want to, maybe we're sort of coming to a close, but I want to ask one more question. Um, you know, we talked, I think it was in our last podcast, but I might be wrong, about sort of an increasing backlash that we're experiencing. And we've seen this in the US and we're seeing like a real increase in right-wing backlash to the advance of of gay rights, LGBTIQ rights. What does this mean for our interaction with businesses, you know, for the for the mainstream movements of businesses, you know, as using this as an example? And can we expect to see maybe more companies wanting to retreat, seeing the threat to their business model when another big social grouping, and that is social conservatives, start to show a bit more of their voice and to start, start to show a willingness to boycott companies because of support for these sorts of issues. Do you think this is something that could continue on? And I wonder how the community might gay, you know, the queer community mm. might deal with that. Uh, yes, I, I think it will continue. I don't think just because of the differences between the two different communities, I guess being really conservative Christians and uh, queer communities, I just can't see the conservative backlash, you know, this, like, if you look at the difference between the, the kind of, uh, what the Australian Christian lobby, oh, sorry, no, sorry. It was just the Catholic church, what the Catholic church did here and yeah, yeah. how that was responded to by the queer community. It really speaks to, I guess, the differing natures of, of those communities. I mean, the Catholic church is an organization, but you know, in one, even if you kind of compare it to like, uh, the Australian Christian lobby, like in one case, it's a, a fairly small group of people, a very concentrated um, place of power that is using quite um, maybe traditional and um, less transparent, I guess, ways of exerting uh, that power being, this was just literally the Catholic mm-hmm. church wrote a letter to Telstra. Um, whereas most of the kind of mobilization for queer issues comes is is i mean it's kind of weird to use grassroots in this way but it is effectively grassroots i mean it, it you know taking place on social media and and the kind of groundswell growing from there so i mean i i can't see big consumer boycotts of companies that conservative christians don't like around queer issues becoming a big thing in the same way that they have for the queer community. Um, so, mm. but I think things like this will, will keep happening and, and um, we'll see, we'll see more of this. Uh, and I, I guess it will be interesting to see, you know, I don't know. It's like, how many times do we, uh, what's the, that's like the saying, like, you know, for me once, shame on me, for me twice, shame on you, shame or whatever on... it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like how many times do we have to be yeah, burned yeah, yeah. by this before we start thinking differently about what uh, corporate support for our community actually means, if anything. 
Yeah, I think it's the other way around. So it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me once, shame yes, on me. Because <laughs> you don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and and I think it, I think it's actually a really good saying to end off with because it is that, isn't it? Like, you know, fool me once, you you gave us your support and look how you know we were fooled. We were like, yay, look how amazing you are. You know, shame on you. But now, fool me twice. You know, if you know what what happens when Telstra comes around in six months time this is all forgotten and they have their float at Mardi Gras and everyone's like oh wow how amazing for Telstra <laughs> you know that Telstra's doing this you know or when marriage equality is passed finally and that threat from the Catholic Church is taken away you know will we be fooled again and I suspect we might because you know there, this this pervading sense of the connection between big business and our community is still really you know it's still pervasive pervading sense is still pervasive um and um, and I think that that will continue on. And but these sorts of instances where their their desire for profit, which is what they're based on, takes precedence, uh, will continue on. And you know, and nothing mm, will change. I agree. That's it for us today. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, we know this episode is uh, a few days early. We had to record over the weekend and because it's such a um, current and potentially fast-moving issue, we wanted to get the episode out as quickly as possible. Um, so we'll be back with a new episode now in like two and a half weeks because we're a bit early this time, uh, which you'll be able to find on queers.podomatic.com. And as always, you can now subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Queers. Please go there, leave us a review, and help us with our rankings. Uh, in the meantime, you can catch me on at Simon Copland on Twitter. I'm at Ben C. Riley on Twitter. Uh, thanks all, and see you next time.